We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to have you aboard. So glad to come to you guys and talk a little bit of sports and more as we hang out for another show. And if this is your first time checking us out, I want to uh, thank you for checking us out and making us a part of your podcast menu. Subscribe, like, comment. All of those good things and share it at the water cooler of the uh, the Zoom meeting. I don't know. I guess we don't do water coolers these days. But nonetheless, if uh, you want to get more involved, and I encourage you to do so, go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions. And check out the website. Check out all the things that are there about KTSU Sports Talk, about the Friday Express, about things that we have done on are doing. And uh, again, listen to past episodes. All of those things are located wadeswordproductions.com in addition to that i have set up a 24 hour a day sports line where you can call comment question critique criticize whatever you want to do 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 and you can leave a message 24 hours a day and we'll try to incorporate it in our we the people segment speaking of which we do have a we the people segment coming up this time out In addition to that, we'll get into some headlines. We have a very important conversation with SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McClelland. So much has gone on in the SWAC, and he's a friend of the show, friend of the podcast, and we certainly appreciate his his time because it's valuable because he's a very, very busy person on the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. This is championship week as conferences decide who will represent them in the NCAA tournament, and It's going to look different, but uh, a lot of the same elements that make it one of the most exciting sporting events in American uh, life. I mean, it really is. But we're going to talk to Dr. Charles McClellan, but uh, we're going to get into some We The People, some headlines. I am going to climb aboard my soapbox. That's when I go off about something that's usually not too political. We may or may not have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. So with that, let's get into it with some Headlines. In headlines, as usual, a number of things have gone on. A lot of stuff has gone on since the last time I've come to you guys. And we will come to you guys a little bit more frequently. But I'll give you an update a little bit later on my situation. Of course, like many, like millions, or maybe not millions, but hundreds of thousands of folks, I've had adverse, uh, (laughs) suffered adverse effects from the winter storm that uh, just smashed into Texas a few weeks ago now. But... Personally, in sports headlines, swag football started for me and for Texas Southern and for several teams, uh, spring football. Of course, the SWAC season was delayed and postponed to the spring because of uh, the ravages of uh, COVID-19. And, man, what a wonderful weekend. Uh, although Texas Southern fell short 20-19, to 19, there was a fourth and eighteen. And I'm just going to say, and I actually had a chance to call the game. My first event that I've gone to in over a year, obviously, uh, I hadn't done, I hadn't done much at all. But so, you know, I was a little apprehensive, but I will tell you that the folks at Prairie View and the SWAC have done a great job of making uh, everything as safe as possible. There were about, I don't know what the official number was, but uh, thousands of folks uh, were there. And it's, so, it's sort of socially distant and, and safe and only in their little groups that they, they came with. And it was a great night for football. Texas Southern fell short. Fourth down and 18. I thought he didn't make it. The officials didn't have enough on the video replay to overturn. Purview converts a fourth down and 18 late in the game, and they take it in for the touchdown with a minute 40 remaining, and the Tigers fall 20-19. to 19. Also, Jackson State 
Coach Prime and the uh, the Jackson State Blue Bengals, the Tigers, uh, beat uh, Grambling State. They go to Grambling and beat Grambling. And I only caught a bit of that because, of course, I had to go to Prairie View. But, yeah, that was a fumble with under a minute, around a minute left in the game on the one-yard line. Grambling State was going in for uh, what looked like was going to be the win. And a fumble at the Jackson State one-yard line, and they lose that one 33-28. And uh, a big upset. And for all my swag, my HBCU folks, uh, UAPB, or Arkansas Pine Bluff defeated Southern. And Southern will come to Houston in a couple of weeks. But, I, you know, the biggest story about that, is that the swag came up with a plan and they began to execute that plan and we have some spring football and it's a beautiful thing as things progress and we'll talk about some things with Dr. McClellan about attendance but as things get better you would imagine that towards the end of this abbreviated spring season that there will be a lot more folks able to attend so that's a good good thing so that happened and I'm happy because among my favorite things to do is to call Texas Southern football and I've been what I think it's my 29th season doing this been a long long time doing this and uh, it never gets old it's a, a really exciting thing year in and year out so I had fun with that also in the NFL the salary cap has gone down Obviously, we knew this was going to happen, but because of a reduction in revenue, because you didn't have fans in the seats, the salary cap will go down about $10 million, I think was the number, but it's going down and that'll affect some teams having to get under the salary cap. But on the other side of the spectrum, Dak Prescott finally got his money and ESPN can chill out about Dak Prescott. Come on, man. Like every day. Dak, 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 for years, they talked about this situation, but deservedly, he got his money, and I think that as the quarterback pieces fall into place, there are fewer destinations for, or potential destinations for Deshaun Watson and for a guy like Russell Wilson who may want out. He Dallas, I think, was one of the teams on his list. Dallas, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, and a couple of other teams were desired destinations for Russell Wilson as he's sort of a bit disgruntled. I don't know how much he is, but according to reports and speculation, he wants out, though his folks have said he has not demanded a trade. I hope they can get that worked out in Seattle because I like that tandem of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, and I think that they really need to get this guy some help. And and I think that he knows that he's going underappreciated by the masses. Don't know why exactly that is other than the fact that he's in Seattle. But they've had so much success because, again, early part of the year, that guy was the the MVP. Regardless of, you know, what, I mean, over the last couple of years, he's he's been a guy that's been as valuable to his team's success as anybody in the NFL. The other thing I want to talk a little bit about is the song, The Eyes of Texas, the school song for the University of Texas Longhorns. It's been in the headlines and maybe you've uh, seen it, perused it, or, or really gotten into it. But a, uh, a big deal here in the state of Texas, and I know we have listeners all over the country and all over the world for that matter, but from time to time we are Houston and Texas-centric, so I, I want to talk a little bit about this because this is somewhat a complicated situation. So complicated, as the university perceives it, that they put out a 58-page report about the school song. Researched the history, talked about its origins, delved into every aspect of the song, and also some reforms to make the school more inclusive and, and sort of get away from the sort of the racist origins of the university and, and try to be more inclusive for all students that attend the university. So the song, the Eyes of Texas... And I know the song, obviously, it's something that we've been singing or knowing about for my whole life. So here's the, the complicated part of it. So the 58-page report said the song had no racist intent. Although they didn't deny it had or, or sort of racist origins. It was performed first in 1903 at a minstrel show. And if you don't know what minstrel shows are, I mean, obviously, they're caricatures and, and people in blackface really trying to be humorous with the most racist sort of stereotypes and exaggerations and caricatures of black people uh, that there are. 
I mean, just dehumanizing blacks while uh, trying to entertain folks dressed in blackface. And, and you have to research more about minstrel shows. So that was where the song originated. They examined the lyrics and sort of the history of it. And they said, OK, it does not have racist intent. So this is where it gets a little bit complicated because there's several layers to this. And because of the Jewish fluid situation and Colin Kaepernick and the move for social reform, sort of a social period of reckoning for the United States as we try to deal and really push towards trying to deal with racism in America and the mistreatment of black Americans uh, since 1619. And they landed on the shores here in slave ships, first slave ship, 1619. So it was a, a really horrible horrible past and we are now we know that but now we are seeing the little things and not so little things the symbolism that is designed to alienate and isolate and to subjugate mentally emotionally modern african americans and all other cultures that aren't white <laughs> so i mean so and what i when i'm talking about when i talk about it, it, during this the george floyd black lives matter movement we've seen statues come down we've seen uh, buildings named for slave owners and races uh removed we've seen people address okay these are systemic things that have always been a part of our life that now we need to look at and say no now we know better it's time for this bullshit to end it's time for all of this to come down that that's where we are with it and it's a beautiful beautiful thing so i think it's worthy of examining everything to see whether or not okay and it's not this is going to be more emotional for people and they will defend wrong when it comes to their personal emotions I mean, because I, I, you, you look at some of the reforms and some of the things that are happening and has, as we learn and evolve, we learn that some of some of my, my own personal behavior has been insensitive, incorrect and inappropriate. And you learn these things and then you go back and look at some of your favorite. Things. I give you an example. And, and I think this country has evolved so much over the last 20, 30, 40 years, really 20 years, 20, 25 years on the issue of uh, gays in our society gay marriage all of those things we've evolved the the stigma has been removed that it's more much more acceptance of of people in the lbgq community as being humans and then you realize okay back in the days i if you run a tape of 13 14 15 year old me i said a lot of things that were ignorant and it just it's not hurtful and inappropriate now again how much am i going to beat myself up over that I, you know you you have to walk on you, you don't want to be too critical of yourself on one hand because of the, the the times but you have to understand and cringe a little bit and say oh that was not cool and that is no longer part of the way i want to be and I don't want to dehumanize people for who they love or whatever. And uh, so you look at my, I look at the evolution of that. And then you look at some of my favorite comics and some of the favorite comedy strips and some of the things that were said that was just you you laugh at and you, it was just hilarious. And not just for me, but for the masses. And you have to look back and say, OK, yeah, no, that's not cool anymore. We can't, now that I know better, I can't look at that and, and enjoy it the same way because it's not cool. Same things with some of the misogyny and, and all of those things. As we grow and understand things better and we learn as a society and individually, you recognize, okay, some of the things that I liked were kind of foul uh, or were foul. I won't even say kind of, were foul. But emotionally, you have to be willing to accept that, okay, that this is a ugly part of my personal past. And now I need to sort of erase things that I thought were cool back then. I have to fix it. And that's what the song was about. Takes, and, and again, the song doesn't have to mean if the words and the lyrics are not racist. I can understand people not associating the song with a 1903 uh, minstrel show that no one knew about. 
like like the kids or the gr- recent graduates or people who have graduated in the last 75 years um, or maybe let's say 50 years probably have no idea of the origins. They never knew the origins of that song. And don't think about, oh, the old South when they sing that song. So I can get it where, okay, I can see where, all right, well, you don't have to necessarily remove the song. But at the same time, if you are an African American player, you don't. If 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 it makes you feel some type of way, then you need to have the freedom to say no. I'm for me personally, I'm not feeling this. I'm not trying to do this, and I'm not going to to stand for it. Here's the problem with the University of Texas and then the alumni and and big boosters and donors to the university. There was such vitriol and hatred. Uh, focused on those people, anybody who wants to talk about the song, that it, it makes you feel like, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same. These people have this sentimental attachment, and they don't even want to look at it to acknowledge that, okay, this may be offensive to folks who are fellow Longhorns. Not black people, but fe- I mean, if you don't even want to look at race, you, they're fellow Longhorns. If you have a... a if they're a part of this huge family of this university and there's a kinship uh, among all graduates of the University of Texas, how can you not even want to talk about how this can possibly be perceived and felt uh, to be racist? So I think that the vitriol and the hatred says more about the alumni, some of the alumni and donors than the song itself. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I Again, it's a, it's a complicated issue. I, on the surface, your knee-jerk reaction is, hell no, take it out. But if you look at it a little bit more, you, you think about, okay, what do you, do I associate that? <laughs> do I associate that with racism just on the surface? And so it's an individual choice, and, and players should have the choice. And if not, you should know that there are universities and places that welcome you and that diversity. And, and obviously, you know, working and being around HBCUs, there are environments where that's not even an issue. So, again, uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But obviously, the song will be played. But if you force somebody to, to, to pledge allegiance to the University of Texas in that way, then we have a bigger problem. And, and for that, I would tell students at least, make yourself aware of where you want to go to school for the next four or five years. So, that's an issue. The other thing is... The Texas Rangers, with Texas lifting the mask mandate and all sort of uh, restrictions on capacity in various places, any places in the state of Texas, Texas Rangers come out today and say, hey, we're going to 100%. Yes, 42,000 folks. We're going to cram you in like COVID is not in the world, and we're going to have you guys come out. Everybody has to have on a mask. But, yeah, you can sit next to somebody who's COVID positive with the U.K. strain because we want that money. (laughs) So it's ridiculous. It's obscene. And I'm going to get more into that. But that leads me into our next segment. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, I turn it over to you guys. I ask questions. And again, that's why it's important to be a part of the social media aspect of what we do here. And I talked about a number of things, but I didn't mention, I don't think, Facebook. The Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and the fan page as well. Sports Talk with Devin Wade. And I post poll questions. There are numerous posts there every day. We have some wonderful folks that post there all the time. It's such a fun place. And I really, really am grateful for all the folks who uh, make content contributions and share stories uh, jm keith and all the wonderful folks that share stuff uh, each and every day so you definitely want to do that but i posted a poll a couple of poll questions also again the sports line 832-941-6614 so not only can you vote in the poll you can uh, tell us and elaborate by leaving a message 832-941-6614 so this time out last time since the last time i've come to you guys james harden 
made his triumphant return after the Rockets go into the All-Star break. And I'm not going to go into the All-Star break at all. It is what it is, and there's plenty of basketball left, and we'll delve into that as things uh, progress towards the playoffs. But uh, All-Star weekend. But before that, uh, Rockets lost 13 in a row, and but the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden came back to town, and there was a question mark to whether or not the fans would boo or cheer him. Or should they boo or cheer him? Gets to be a complicated issue with that a little bit. Because James Harden has done a tremendous amount for the community. Especially now, after the winter storm. Providing shoes for HISD students. For, and, and doing things for the community. Clothing and shoe drives and food drives and money. The dude is a, a Houstonian. And can you separate? Should you separate the basketball player from the man who's done so much for the city? Because he was a diva and his exit from the city was foul. He did it wrong. It was not cool. So do you eliminate uh, that aspect and just focus on him as a humanitarian and a Houstonian and, you know, a guy that's good for the city? Uh, do you say, hey, no, nah, we're going to boo the basketball player, but cheer the humanitarian. So uh, we had a, a more vigorous debate than I thought on KTSU Sports Talk uh, last time out last week. But, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think you have to enlighten because it's so recent, not just for Harvey and other things that have gone wrong. He's a part of this community. And I said, well, I, my personal belief, and I don't know that I mentioned this on the poll. I didn't mention it on the poll question. I said, no, you shouldn't boo him. You should cheer him. And the limited crowd from what you could pick up uh, from uh, on the uh, telecast was that, yeah, he did get cheers. Probably some a few boos. But, again, it wasn't a capacity crowd either. So there's that. So I asked you guys in the poll question, should the Houston fans boo or cheer James Harden? In a 60-40 split, people said we should boo him. And maybe the breakup is too recent. But again, even on the heels of the breakup, this dude is having, he has his folks out here giving away shoes and, and food and water and stuff to folks in the community. So, yeah, there's that. So, you know, James Harden, he did a lot for the city. He made it a relevant basketball team. Although I was never a fan and not a huge fan of his style of basketball, his uh, his prowess as a basketball player and his abilities are undeniable. Dude is one of the best scorers in modern basketball history. The dude is the man, and uh, you can't deny it, but he's not a champion either unless you load up with Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, and all of those players that have come together to win a championship in Brooklyn. We'll see how far they get with that, but so far, so good for them. The other question, with Texas opening, and uh, you know, you know, I just mentioned the Texas Rangers for baseball season, April 5th, less than a month away. They're going to have 42,000, allow up to 42,000 well, 42, to come into MetLife, Timeline, whatever the stadium's names are these days. I don't know stadium names like I used to because they are all corporate affiliations and they change every couple of years and whatever. But they're going to open it up 100%. Do you feel comfortable? Would you go? 90% of people said no. I wouldn't go. 10% in the poll said, yeah, I'd go. So overwhelmingly, you guys say, hey, I'm not ready to go to a 100% capacity sporting event. I'm not ready to be around that kind of crowd. And uh, I feel the same. That leads me to my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. When I climb aboard my soapbox, primarily it is something that is not related to sports. It just gives me a chance to say, hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. <laughs> not quite. But you know what? I have a beef with uh, a lot of things that are going on, and I want to share it with you guys. And, and some folks will enjoy this, and others will not, and others will skip past it. But nonetheless, this time I, I am upset because Texas has lifted the mask mandate and opening up the state. As a matter of fact, today it opened up today and it is just so mind boggling how people put so little value public officials. Now I understand corporate interests and, and, and people who are specifically concerned with money, but public servants, 
people who have been elected to protect and serve the people go out and want to kill the people <laughs> who want to endanger the people. It is, it's so upsetting to me that there was no real reason to do this now. Give it a month, a month and a half. Get more people vaccinated. At the time he announced this, only 9% of Texans have had, had one shot. Not, uh, it, was a, it was just a minuscule number, and we were last. The state of Texas was last in the amount of vaccinations given. And yet, again, you didn't learn from the fact that you opened up the state in April and had a surge, uh, or you failed to fully restrict things the way you could have in April, and a bunch of people got sick and died. You didn't learn from that. You want to do it again. And I think, you know, and obviously his intent, I would imagine, is, is purely political. But I just don't understand it. And I don't worry about me because I've had one shot. And I'm going to have my second shot. So I don't give a damn what y'all do. But that's not who I'm. I'm not worried about the folks who want to go out and take their mask off. I'm not worried about those folks. I'm worried about the folks who have to work in these environments. If you're a waitress and you, you, know, you don't feel comfortable generally, but you really don't feel comfortable in a 100% filled dining room or restaurant or bar, and you have to work. You just have to work. And now, you know, if you work at Randall's, well, not Rand, I'm, uh, Randall's. I don't know if there is Randall's anymore. But if you work at a grocery store and all of a sudden everybody was protected, relatively protected, already, already a high-risk occupation these days. Now people can get all in your face and don't have to wear a mask. And it's going to create confrontation. And we've already seen the Bed Bath & Beyond fight. If you've not seen that on Instagram, on social media, it's out there. You have people who who blatantly want to, like, it's so ridiculous to me that people don't want to wear masks. But I, you don't, I'm not even worried about them. It's the people that have no choice but to have to interact with them. Can you imagine having to sell popcorn and peanuts at the Rangers baseball game. I mean, it's not cool. And again, once we all get vaccinated, that's a different thing. But to put those folks in danger, because we still know that what 7,000 people a day in Texas, some, some, some high number, 6,000 a day are getting it in Texas. And that yes, hospitalizations have decreased, but compared to what? And we do know that deaths have slowed. And all that's great, but now you're going to just say, the hell with it. Let's blow this thing up. It's diabolical, and it's not cool, and it's wrong, and it's wrong-spirited, and it's, it's not right. And so um, that's what I wanted to rant about because I, it's just it defies logic to have something like this happen at this point. Now, again, I want to say this, that the my opinions, especially when I climb on the soapbox, are not a reflection of my guests or sponsors or anybody. Uh, this is These are my opinions. I'm not speaking for anybody else, and it shouldn't be inferred that they agree or disagree with anything that I have said. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix, and then a very important conversation with SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan on the other side. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
Welcome back. That is music from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And you definitely want to check him out on Instagram, on um, SoundCloud, and uh, around town. Look for him. DJ Anarchy, that's our guy. But if you have music and you'd like it played on the podcast, you can submit it to us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. Just email us, music at wadeswordproductions. The genre does not matter. You can play any, we've played all sorts of music, and I say this all the time. We played everything from Latin jazz to um, we've played country music. We played all sorts of things here. And if you're a fledgling artist or know someone who would like to share their music with the thousands of folks who tune into the podcast, please do so. Music at WaysWordProductions.com. So before we get into the conversation with Dr. Charles McClellan, I want to remind you, uh, tell you a couple of things. First of all, I want to thank you guys for all of those who have reached out to me, to message me, to email me, to text me, and uh, just, just say, hey, send me a positive note. And, and again, just to recap, if you didn't li- listen to the uh, last episode, uh, lots of damage in my home. <laughs> and I've dealt with insurance people, and I have some female folks to deal with as well um, because of the winter storm. I will probably, well, I am going to have all my pipes redone in my home and it's been uh, a challenge. And so I haven't been able to come to you guys as much as I would like to. So it's not because, oh, I'm forgetting about you guys. It's just that I have a lot going on these days and uh, home is not quite, uh, the house is not a home right now until we get some of these things uh, worked out and uh, help is on the way and some things will start to get done. It's just, um, you know, you have to, with so many people in need and so many folks uh, with pressing issues, uh, there are a lot to get to. And, uh, yeah, including my contractor, my man, Philip. I have to tell you about Philip. Well, he, well, he's a good dude. And I'll tell you about all about his work. And if, he, if it's not what I needed to be, you'll hear about that too. But nonetheless, I also want to remind you guys, you can go to uh, Libera Pay. If you want to contribute and help this podcast, you can make a financial contribution. Uh, and go to LiberaPay.com, L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y all one word, Libera Pay, and uh, make a contribution that helps us sustain ourselves and devote the kind of time and attention with the kind of equipment and the infrastructure we need to produce this quality podcast. It's just, uh, and, and the, the amount doesn't matter, but what it does do, it, it, it frees us up to do some things to expand and provide better content. And, and just a way to say, hey man, we know that it's labor intensive to do this and I'm entertained by what you, or I'm informed and entertained uh, by what you do and I want to help sort of uh, give you a tip or a contribution. LaBearPay and look for Sports Talk with Devin Wade. So you go to LaBearPay, very easy, search for Sports Talk with Devin Wade and they will walk you through all of that and you can make a uh, a contribution and it's safe and all of that good stuff and it's uh, just a way to help us out. So with that, uh, a friend of the show, Dr. Charles McClellan, and you know, and I, I, I do fan out on him because it's good to be around people that know what they're doing. You know, it just competence and, and, and sort of vision is not a common thing these days. You can't, you know, you couldn't even look to the highest office of the land to get that. But the SWAC has had that in uh, Dr. Charles McClellan and the direction that he's leading the conference. So many moves that have been made, so many decisions that have uh, elevated the conference and really set the conference on a path towards much more success, unprecedented success. So here's our conversation with SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan. As promised, Dr. Charles McClellan, Commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, joins us. First of all, let me say thank you so much for accommodating me and us. And uh, I, I wanted, I sort of tried to wait as long as I could because I know how extremely busy you've been over the majority of this past year. Can you sort of characterize what life under COVID has meant for a person in your position making so many vital decisions for the member institutions? Hard to characterize. It's something different every day. It's a major decision every day. But I think once we decided that we were going to move forward with playing Devin, 
things got a little more clear for us as we took a look at what the Autonomy 5 did in the fall as it related to football. We took a lot of those lessons learned, implemented those within basketball. And once we found that there was a safe path forward, we started to institute policies. I think the biggest piece of it was kind of managing the COVID you know, stoppages. And then you had the, the inclement weather stoppages that you know, compounded on top of the COVID stoppages. And, you know, fair and equity is something that is synonymous uh, with conference office and managing to ensure that everything is fair and equitable, but it's almost impossible in this COVID era. So ultimately what we've been trying to concentrate on was accommodating our institutions just to try to manage and get through so our student athletes can have a healthy and robust season. So, you know, some played more games than others, you know, depending on how they manage it. But knocking on wood now from a basketball season, you know, we're at the end and, and we were able to have a full and robust season. I want to talk a little bit about football. You were lauded and applauded for making the brave and bold decision and not only announce that you were playing in the spring, but to come up and formulate a plan for how you were going to execute that. Now, initially, you had some of the big conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten sort of double back. They thought that they were playing in the spring, and then, of course, pressure was sort of uh, applied by the other conferences and all the money involved, and they double back and did cram a season into the fall. Did you ever have second thoughts about, hey, well, maybe we can go in the fall? No, zero second thoughts about fall. We did have second thoughts about spring, but our membership was pretty solid on being able to move forward with spring football. And again, we learned a lot of lessons coming out of what the Autonomy Five and the Group of Five schools did with football, how to test, uh, when to test, how to travel, how to put who on the bus and where they sit. So you don't put all of your quarterbacks and all the offensive linemen you know, in the same area. You kind of mix them up on the bus. Uh, so all of those things help. One thing that we did find was, you know, COVID is not spread inside the lines. It's actually spread in the meeting rooms, in the practice facilities, in the in the dining hall. So it's really managing all of that on campus. So as we learn more, as we learn more about testing, as we learn more about isolation, as we learn more about contact tracing, we felt comfortable moving forward. And again, you know, the autonomy five and the group of five showed us the way in the fall. It, did you find that there was uh, uniformity among the schools or did you have to say or, or, or provide a, a pathway for the schools? Did some schools do it better than others or did, did you try to approach it holistically for, for the entire conference? You know, remarkably, uh, resource and who was able to manage it best did not match. So the schools that had the most resources did not necessarily do the best job. Have to say hats off to a lot of federal agencies, a lot of state agencies. Our schools, all of our schools were able to get tests from the federal agencies. A lot of it came from the federal government. So testing was something that we were on top of where a lot of the uh, big conferences had to pay and pay dearly for testing, we were able to get free testing within our nursing programs, within our health departments. And as a matter of fact, in basketball, we created a uh, situation where we said, if you leave campus, you must have a negative test, which was easy for everybody once we got all of the, the testing procedures and protocols down. But we also said you have to test in between that Saturday game and that Monday game. And there was a lot of consternation for that. And ultimately, we were able to see member institutions being able to test our visiting teams coming in. And it worked masterfully. So our basketball teams would test between 24 and 72 hours prior to leaving campus. And then they would test again either that Sunday or that Monday prior to that Monday's game. So they found a way to work. The testing, they found a way to do all of the things they had to do. And again, when you look at the majority of our stoppages, they were coming out of that Christmas and New Year's time frame. And a lot of our stoppages, Devin, came from student athletes going home and bringing COVID back. 
And again, that's what, you know, we said our student athletes, we believe, and, and data shows it, they're in a much safer environment because we do test, we do kind of isolate you. It's when you go out to the club and go with the family members and all of that and you bring it back. Even in that situation at home, you don't get tested as much the three times a week as we do. So if you did catch it, we were able to alert, quarantine, contact trace. And even in that protocol, we made sure that you had, you know, ample care, ample food, ample everything. So we felt like even if you had COVID, you were better off in our care than just being on your own. Anecdotally, did you get any feedback on the mental strain it was for the student at least to have to be sort of isolated or did that was that not really an issue because i mean for us you know it would be easy to say hey we're just gonna stay here but for kids and young student at least of that age it has to have uh, some sort of uh mental effect on you know on them to not be able to interact with their peers have you heard anything any feedback from uh, coaches or athletic directors about sort of the mental toll that COVID has taken on these uh, young student athletes well it was the absolute opposite of what you just described the mental toll was not being able to be around their teammates and not being able to participate what we heard most about the mental anguish especially in the fall was man i want to be back in school i want to be back in practice and i want to play because so much of their lives have been dedicated to it and again that is the reason why we had to find a safe path forward to give them the opportunities. I go back and you take a look at what's happening with the Ivy League. They are the only league that has continued to say that we're not playing. And their student athletes are, you know, in an uproar because of the mental anguish and the, the mental aspect of not being able to do what they have really prepared their entire lives to do. So having to go to your COVID quarantine and your COVID isolation. We haven't heard a lot of negatives uh, from that. It's a part of the process. Nobody wants to be locked up for 8, 10, 12 days. Uh, but again, the processes that we have has definitely allowed us to be able to uh, ensure that we have the resources needed for them to be able to, to have all that they need to be able to move forward. Well, we are on the eve of having a four-game schedule in football. And, of course, you know, I'm more football-centric. And so, you know, I'm a lot more excited uh, as uh, we get ready, and Texas Southern especially, gets ready to kick off their season. Uh, What are your thoughts on finally getting to a point where you have uh, almost a full slate of games tomorrow, including the big Jackson State Grambling game and, of course, Texas Southern Prairie View? How hard was it to get to this point finally? Well, it's going to be uh, exciting. I had opportunity, first time out, Devin, I was able uh, to get out and watch the Southern Alabama State game. Wanted to see how they set up the stadium, how they set up the social distancing. And when I when I went out there, Devin, you know what it felt like? <laughs> it felt like football season. And it's something that I haven't felt in quite a long time. So the fans, the people that are watching, you know, SWAC football is exciting that Southern Alabama State went down to the, you know, last field goal to tie the game. We got four great ones. All of them are going to be shown on the ESPN family of networks. And, you know, it's been a long time coming. But I saw uh, the student athletes there at Southern and Alabama State. They didn't say this is a special spring season. They said we want to play football and we want to win. And I suspect that that's going to be the environment. You know, they surrounded the band as the band played in the stands. And you can't be swag football, even if it is a scaled down version. There's nothing like swag football. So some key matchups this weekend. Very excited about it. Excited to be able to take, you know, a look at all of those games on the ESPN family networks and, and football season is here. And you know what, then it kind of felt like a fall night when I was outside last Friday. Uh, and I imagine it's going to feel like a fall day tomorrow. 
Yeah, we have for, great uh, weather forecast in, in Prairie View for the kickoff of the Texas Southern Prairie View A&M game. Now, being the one of the few conferences actually participating in a spring season, you were able to exploit that or, or forge a better relationship with ESPN on some coverage. And can you talk a little bit about how that came about and, and what, the SWAC has been able to take advantage of by being one of the few and probably the highest profile conference to actually be playing in the spring. Uh, talk a little bit about how those, that relationship or, or that situation was enhanced. Uh, ESPN has been a tremendous partner and they've been with us every step of the way. I know during our media day, I used the words almost demanded, and some of my media outlets dropped the word almost and, and put the highlight Charles demands, you know, ESPN put us on. ESPN has been a tremendous partner. I don't, I, I didn't go in there bamming on the uh, door and saying, you better do this, you better do that. ESPN wanted swag football, and they wanted swag football on their family networks. What they had to do, though, was merge us in with basketball, baseball, NBA. You know, there's a lot that's already programmed in the spring. Uh, but they they gave us more games on linear. They gave us more games on digital. I've always stated that I want to be on linear. I want to be on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, more than on ESPN3. But part of that is SWAT getting his house in order. And I think that we've done that. And I think you will continue to see more coverage, not just this spring, but in the fall as well. So the Braves of Alcorn State opted out. What went, What was behind that decision? Because, again, that's a powerhouse uh, program on the football side. What was behind their decision to opt out this spring? Well, that's a question that you're going to have to ask uh, Alcorn State from a conference office perspective. We have certain protocols in place. Uh, based upon their decision, as you know, we uh, enacted forfeitures of those games as well as all point is going to have to return those home games but to get into the intricacies of their decision making process Devin, you're going to have to speak directly with all okay now but on the the positive side obviously there has been much excitement around Deion sanders and jackson state and of course he is a master at uh getting media attention uh for his for himself for his brand and now for jackson state what are your thoughts on having Dion at Jackson State? Well, my thoughts is anything that's going to uh, allow Southwestern Athletic Conference to move forward, I'm for. You know, Dion is a tremendous ambassador for Jackson State. Uh, his name brand and his name recognition is, you know, of the highest of any other athlete that's out there. Everybody knows uh, Dion Primetime Sanders, right? But as I, I told uh, another media outlet, Jackson is a great environment. They are the only college in Jackson, Division One college in Jackson. Jackson State uh, makes Jackson, Mississippi go from an economic standpoint, from a social standpoint, and clearly from a football standpoint. So I can't think of a better environment for Dion to be in to be able to make a significant impact. Southwestern Athletic Conference will support Dion and all of our coaches and being able to move our brand forward. But Dion kind of puts us in a in a spotlight arena in some areas that we normally wouldn't be able to get into on a day-to-day -day basis. Dion gets daily coverage nationally, and I think that's good for the SWAT. Have you spoken with him or, or maybe coordinated a way that not only Jackson State can benefit, but the entire conference more directly? Obviously, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, uh, but specifically, have you fig figured out a strategy or, or even explored a strategy that will benefit the entire conference or, or that ways you can use, uh, utilize his skill set uh, to garner mm -hmm. more attention for the SWAT? Yes. Uh, our answer, our answer is yes. <laughs> Can't get more direct than that. So what, what that right. sounds really, really – and he seems, uh, he seems easy to work with. He seems uh, agreeable, and, and I mean, is, is he on board, in other words? Yeah, all conversations that I've had with uh, Deion, Coach Deion Sanders has been, this is not just about Jackson State. This is about SWAC and all HBCUs and commissioner, anything I can do to push us forward, to be able to close the gap financially, commercially, television-wise. He said, utilize me. So we've been talking, and, and we do have some plans to be able to help.
move this entire conference forward through his through his contacts and through his resources. I, I didn't mean I didn't uh, initially mean to ask you about this, but I do want to ask you about the passing of Sekou Smith, who was a, a guy who was working with the Southwest Athletic Conference and uh, really sort of trying to help push the ball forward as a part of a committee that you put together. Uh, talk a bit uh, about his loss and what he was able to do in, his, in a short time uh, to sort of uh, enlighten or benefit the SWAC. Yeah, Sekou was on our board, uh, board of advisors. Uh, he and Michael Doyle both are on our board. They both work for NBA and NBA TV, and that's ultimately how we were able to get that basketball game on NBA TV. We had been working on this for about a year, and Sekou's unfortunate uh, you know, passing kind of exacerbated those conversations to a point that we said let's move quicker than we normally move. Sekou was a graduate of Jackson State, so NBA TV kind of chose Jackson because of, you know, who Sekou was and him being a graduate of Jackson State. But there are a lot of other initiatives that we were working on and we will continue to finalize that flowed through Sekou and Michael. So it's going to be a huge loss, not only for the Southwestern Athletic Conference, but from a personal standpoint. He was a great individual not only uh, for his family, but for anyone that came in contact with Sekou. He's going to be sorely missed, but we're, we're going to keep his legacy alive by continuing to push the envelope forward again, working with NBA TV, working with the NBA, and continuing to do some things that's going to push uh, HBCUs and the Southwestern Athletic Conference in the forefront. It seems like a renaissance, for, uh, a new renaissance for HBCUs. A lot of money uh, is coming in. A lot of young student athletes are opting to come play at HBCUs. The NBA is doing something over the weekend. Talk a little bit about being the conference commissioner for the premier HBCU conference in the in the country and what you've seen from all this energy focused on HBCUs. You know, it's been a concerted effort from us all. You know, I still have a tremendous, tremendously good relationship with Commissioner Dennis Thomas and the MEAC. Uh, we have to bound together to be able to push the envelope forward. I'm honored, and I think I said this from day one, to be commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I do think that we are the premier athletic conference. I do think that we have the, the sky as the limit in front of us and there's a lot of work to be done but you look at where we are and where we can go i've always said that i wanted to get back to the future i wanted to go back and create an environment in the future that mirrors those glory days of the southwestern athletic conference in the past when we were you know a home of all of the best athletes when we were the home of national championships when we were the home of all any and all things that was great when it came to athletics. So we're moving forward. We have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do, but I'm up to the challenge and I'm going to work day and night to try to get us to achieve our best potential. Obviously, COVID has derailed a number of things in the world, not just in sports, not just for HBCUs. Your vision for the SWAC, how much has that been sort of delayed or derailed by this horrific uh, last 12 months we've had uh, dealing with a global pandemic? Hadn't been delayed or derailed at all. We are going to remain focused despite COVID. I think COVID has given us a set of unique challenges, but anytime you're a challenge, there's also some opportunities that are uh, presented before you. We want to capitalize on those opportunities and we are going to do so. So it hasn't derailed us at all, and we are going to continue to move forward strongly. And there have been some, some positive things that have come out. You know, we've been able to increase sponsorships uh, in this COVID environment. There's been some corporations, uh, Pepsi, U.S. Air Force, Cricket, USAA, uh, Credit Virtio. There's been several of them that have said, we want to make a commitment to the HBCUs. We want to make a commitment to the SWAT. And a lot of that was a direct result of this, the social movement that happened uh, during the pandemic. And I firmly believe, you know, if we were going on with our everyday lives, you know, the tragedies of Breonna Taylor, the tragedies of George Floyd probably wouldn't have received as much attention as it did because we were all sitting there 
with nothing else to do but focusing on those injustices. And I think those injustices has awoken a lot of individuals. And we are trying to capitalize on the ability for us to be able to show what the HBCU is all about now that we're starting to get this, you know, this spotlight from the NFL and from the NBA and all of these entities. We want to be in the middle of it and we're going to continue again to, to push forward. And a couple more things before we let you get out of here. Of course, with states like Mississippi and Texas uh, and other states around the country lifting the the, the mask mandates and, and opening up full-fledged, what is that going to do for attendance at SWAC events? Absolutely nothing. We're going to sustain uh, our numbers. We are going to sustain our mask mandates. We're going to sustain our social distancing. We've come too far to be a part of any event that is going to continue uh, to put our individuals in, in harm's way. Uh, we've spent too much time, energy, and effort to do so. We're, we're happy and content to have limited capacity. We just want to be able to get our student athletes the opportunity to compete, have their family members there, have limited fans. So, you know, when we come to Texas, we're not going to remove our masks and we're not going to pack the stadiums. We're going to continue to do it the way it has safely been proven to do up until this point. And finally, I want to ask you, you are on the committee uh, to the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. And it's, of course, March Madness now. Uh, how in how sort of involved are you with that? And how, what will that look like for you as uh, the selection of all of these teams has to be done here in the next few weeks or next week? Completely, com completely involved, Devin. We have what we call our monitoring calls. I have seven conferences, four primary and three secondary. We've had six calls with those conferences over the past two months talking any and everything about all of their teams, basketball related. We've had basketball committee meetings every other week for to the tune of about two and a half, three hours. We've had basketball committee subcommittee calls on the weeks that we don't have basketball committee calls. Uh, so we have CCA calls. I can tell you that the, the calls and chats have been in the thousands over the past two months. And we have another call uh, on Sunday morning. I'm on, the, uh, I'm on a subcommittee. And then we have another full committee call Sunday afternoon. And then we will go to Indianapolis, Indiana on Tuesday. I'm going to miss our basketball tournament. And I will be in the bubble for 29 days. So I leave on the 9th and I come back on April 6th. So when I say completely involved, <laughs> it means full and complete. Wow, that is going to be something. And that's a test of your individual will to be stuck in Indianapolis for for that amount of time. Um, but again, it's so much to, to cover. Uh, we could almost speak every week, but I certainly appreciate you taking up the time uh, to visit with us with your busy schedule. Because, I mean, just being on that committee alone, that, that's two full-time jobs to, uh, to sort of ma manage the swag and try to uh, select uh, 64 teams for the tournament. It, uh, I'm sure it's a labor of love, but it is really a lot of labor involved with that. And boy, I know uh, it's a, a challenging time for you. It is, but it's for a good cause. And that cause is to fulfill the dreams of thousands of student athletes to be able to play in the best amateur tournament. Uh, in the world and to be a part of it is truly rewarding well continue success to you and uh, again thanks for uh, spending time with us i'm excited i'm really excited it's uh, almost like christmas eve or or it's almost like labor day weekend for us here at texas southern so uh yeah it's an exciting time and uh, we certainly look forward to it and congratulations for pulling all of this off i mean it is actually going to happen and in no small part because of the efforts of you and your wonderful staff and the uh, swag uh offices there in Birmingham. I appreciate it. We're knocking on wood. Hopefully we can get it completed. Thank you, though. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com.
want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan for joining us. And I should have prefaced the interview by saying uh, it was a conversation that took place recently before the Texas Southern Prairie View A&M game. It was on the eve of the kickoff of a full schedule of uh, swag football games. But a great conversation nonetheless and uh, covered a lot of ground and uh, just a very busy person working on behalf of, as he said, student athletes everywhere, not the uh, least of which and most importantly, uh, HBCU student athletes and uh, SWAC student athletes to illuminate and put them on uh, on uh, create a higher profile for them so that is a great great thing so no lamont award this time out we're gonna skip the lamont award we'll have one for the big dummy of the next episode so i know that's the segment that everybody talks about they send me requests and say hey how about this guy for the lamont award and i have a lamont award recipient but we'll hold off till next time we'll try to come to you very soon with uh, eddie robinson or our guy king t we have uh, other great guests coming up as well but before i let go before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobain Homes, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to remind you guys to hit us up on social media at Wade's Word on Twitter, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And as always, you can go to wadeswordproductions.com and check out past episodes and all of that good stuff. And of course, please give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. And finally, Remember, well, not finally, but please remember to go to LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y, and search for Sports Talk with Devin Wade, and then make a contribution and help your favorite podcast out. Thank you so much, and to the thousands of you out there listening all over the country and all over the world, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.